0: Well, this morning we're concluding our series, 24 Hours with God, and week one we looked at the morning hours, week two, uh, last week we looked at the working hours, and today I want to talk about the evening hours. Now, the truth is, is that in the morning hours, sometimes they're not very pretty, are they? We wake up in the morning, we're kind of groggy, we're like, ah, we're kind of grumpy, we're not so sure about the morning, but we know the morning's kind of short, and we have to get to work or to school or wherever we're going, so we kind of plug through it, and we get there. Then the working hours come. Uh, Maybe someone says something stupid. Someone puts you down. You're like, ah, but you know you only have about eight hours that you have to do that, and then you get to go home. And so you're like, hey, that's it. And then when we get home, unfortunately, sometimes what happens is in the evening hours, we think everything should be perfect. Everything should just work out exactly the way we want it. In fact, for many of us, I think when it comes to the evening hours, we think it should sound like this. You get home from work exactly at 5.10 because there's no traffic. You walk into the home and everybody greets you and they're so grateful to see you and hugs and kisses and the dog is wagging its tail as you kind of pet it. Everything is wonderful. Everyone decides, let's pitch in and let's do dinner together. And you put the dinner together and by 5.30, everyone is around the table eating together. As you're talking about it, you look around the circle and everyone shares about their day. And your kids talk about making the honor roll. And your wife talks or your spouse uh, talks about, you know, hey, I got a raise today. And then they tell you that you want a Caribbean vacation free. And then after dinner, you all work together to clean up all the dishes and put everything away. And by 6.30, you're sitting down to watch Little House on the Prairie. And as you sit there, you laugh, and you joke, and you have fun, and you hug, and Paul says something, and everyone cries, and you're just like, it can't get any better than this. And then your kids, without being told, say, mom and dad, we're immediately going to go, and we're going to shower or take a bath. They go, they get showered, they get bathed, they lay out their clothes the night before, everything's fine, you cut, You put them into bed, and you read a story to them, you read the Bible, they look up you, and they say, I love you so much. And they immediately go to bed, and there's no problem at all. Then your spouse, little did you know, is in your bedroom, has ten candles burning, and you're getting ready to have your tenth night of romantic love, just you and them. And then you read a Bible passage together, and you fall asleep cuddling one another, and that is your perfect evening. Well, this is what I want to tell you. It's never going to happen. Hate to bust your bubble, but it's never going to happen. And the problem is, is that for many of us, we try to work for the ideal rather than just the real. Now, uh, actually, for you and me, it sounds a little bit more like this. We get home at 8 o'clock after the boss has kept us long and we're tired and we're worn out. And we don't even want to stop to pick something up to eat. But we finally are like, Little Caesars is cheap and so I'll get it. You bring the pizza home. You walk into the house. The spouse is yelling at the kids. The kids are yelling at the dog. And when you walk in, everyone's yelling at you. Finally, one of your kids realizes that you are super stressed. And they try to help you by spilling something on your lap. Then your teenager comes up and is bawling and crying because someone posted something on Instagram that really hurt their feelings. So you spend two hours with sweat and tears trying to help them out. And finally you get everyone to bed. It's 11 o'clock, you're exhausted, and you lay on the couch to watch another episode of a rerun of The Office. Your romantic evening comes to an end as your spouse punches you in the arm and says to you, if you're going to snore tonight, just go ahead and sleep on the couch. And that's it. Now, you single people, I don't want to leave you by yourself, so let's talk about what your world kind of looks like, your ideal world. You come home after hanging out with friends and having a wonderful time, watching a movie together, going out to eat, everything is amazing, and you get home and you are satisfied with your singleness. You have no trouble being by yourself. You pull out the Bible, you read it, and there is this sense that everything is fine. But maybe actually it was more like this. You stay at work a little bit longer because you don't want to go home to a lonely apartment or a lonely house. And as you're driving, you think to yourself, well, I don't want to walk in. I'm tired of dealing with people, and I get to see these couples together, and I'm not so sure I want to do that. And so what you do is you decide that I'll just eat the Chinese food, I'll heat it up again one more night that I ate last night. And then you put on Netflix, and the only thing that you can see is romantic comedies. But then you discover that, you know what, my life is not about the romance, it's about the comedy. My life's a joke. And there's no romance. You see, folks, when we get to the evening, for some reason, many of us have unrealistic expectations. We think that everything should be perfect. And so I want to give you a big idea when it comes to your evening hours. Whether you're married, single, it doesn't matter. And this is the big idea. And it's this. Forget the ideal and go for the real. Forget whatever you think is the ideal thing to do and to go for the real. Many of us in the evening hours, we have such high expectations that when they are not met, we get overwhelmed and we get discouraged and we get depressed. And then all of a sudden we don't want to be even around people. We'd rather be a hermit kind of doing our own thing rather than connecting with people. Because our reality is so far from what is really going to happen. You see, the ideal becomes this great thing in the evening hours, but many times we don't meet the expectation. Now, God wants you to have great evenings. He just says they need to be real. In fact, Scripture says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. In other words, God loves your ordinary life. And he says, if you'll take your one and ordinary life in the evenings, and you'll give it to me, then I can do something extraordinary with it. So for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is share with you four ways so you can spend your evening hours with God and in a way that is healthy and productive. And what we need to do is to look at what part of the evening of these four areas would you go after uh, maybe this week. So what should be a part of all of your evenings? The first uh, way we want to share our evenings is this, by taking time for relationships. You want to take time for relationships. That's your next fill-in, taking time for relationships. You know, when it comes to this thing of relationships in the evening, what happens so often is the people that we love the most and the people that we want to connect with, they're present and we want to be with them, the problem is, is that if we're honest, in our mind, we're often thinking, well, if I reach out and I meet their needs, are they going to meet my needs? If I take the risk to do something, to reach out to them, are they going to actually take care of me? Because so often what happens is we get back from work and we're tired and we're exhausted and we're fatigued. And we want someone else to encourage us, to build us up, to say, how was your day? And the question is for ourselves, well, how are my needs going to be get, getting met um, in the evening hours? Well, God tells us that this is how this takes place. It takes place when we're unselfish. The needs of the evening hours are met when you are unselfish. When I am unselfish towards other people in my world, then my evenings go better. I meet their needs and then they meet my needs. Now, what happens though, is that many times we want the other person to start rather than ourselves. And it doesn't happen 100% of the time. So we get selfish. And we're like, well, they're not going to do something, so I'm not going to do something. And the reality is God never allowed his people to live like that if you want to be close to him. In fact, Jesus instead talked about when it comes to relationships, this is how we should do it. Scripture says this, do for others as you would like them to do for you. Do for others what you would like them to do for you. Now, what is that? What's that called? It's called what? The blank rule. What is it? The, the golden rule. It is the golden rule. Jesus says, I only have one rule for relationships. And what that rule is, is to do for others what you would want them to do for you. And he says, your relationships will be the healthiest, the most productive, the most fruitful, if you will choose to follow this Rule. Now, the message puts it this way It says, Here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, and then grab the initiative and do it for them. Now, folks, I want you to know that the Golden Rule is very easy to read, it might be even easy to memorize. You know what's really hard about the Golden Rule? Living it out like actually applying it, using it all the time. So what do you do when you're trying to live out the golden rule in a relationship in the evening hours, but the other person is not reciprocating it? They're about their rules. I'm about my rules. What do you do with that? Well, Scripture says this, Every time I think of you, I thank my God. Folks, the best way... To continue to live the golden rule is to think about one thing that you could be thankful for the other person. Now you might say, well, Chris, they get on my nerves and it's just too much and I'm mad at them. I don't want to do that. No, no, just one thing that you're going to be thankful for. Maybe it's as easy as they didn't spit on me today. Like that's it. And you say, well, they didn't. So I'm thankful for that. And this is what I found. Once you start being thankful for the other person and you put it in your mind, then it changes the relationship that you're in. Because I don't want you to miss this perspective. You cannot, you cannot act unselfishly towards someone unless you're thankful for them. You cannot act unselfishly towards another person unless you're actually thankful for them. So, what I'd like you to do is think about a practical step. How do you get real in this area? I mean, what do you need to thank God for? More importantly, who do you need to thank God for? So, in your program and on the stream, on the app, there is a place for you to just type in a name. One name of a person that you could be thankful for. Now if you want a challenge think of somebody who really gets on your nerves and then think how can I be thankful for that person so take some time right now one person maybe it's a spouse maybe it's a kid maybe it's a coworker your boss a neighbor who's one person this week that you're going to be thankful for just write their name in real quick So we're going to take time to actually um, invest in relationships. The second thing in the evening hours that we're going to do is take time for entertainment. You take time for entertainment. Now, for most of us, our entertainment in the evening hours is this device. And most of the time, we think we only spend minutes, but if you ever like cataloged how much time you spend on your phone, it's a lot. And, uh, you can get on there and what do we do? We spend time on social media, looking at Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. And we're looking at other people's lives and it gets us more depressed because we're like, oh, their life is better than mine. And so we get very discouraged, uh, in the middle of that. And so in your entertainment in the evening, if you want God to be a part of your evening hours, then you have to actually invite God into that time. You invite him into the entertainment time of your life. And whether you realize it or not, folks, he's actually already there. Proverbs five twenty one says this, the Lord sees everything you do, he watches where you go. Now, I don't know anyone, anyone, who doesn't feel a little uncomfortable with this verse. I mean, he knows everything, he sees everything, all of the mess-ups in our life, all of the flub-ups, the thing that I'm watching, the thing that I'm doing in the evening, God sees it all. Yes, he does. But the good news is, is that he sees everything so that he can care for you also. He says, I'm present all the time so that when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, when you're overwhelmed, I'm there too. I'm with you at all times. God is with you and he promises to never leave you, but he is a part of whatever your entertainment is. Now, in receiving this gift that God is present with us all the time, what he challenges us to do is to actually give glory to him, to show his glory. What does glory mean? Glory actually means to show the world what God is like. To show the rest of the world what God is like. His character, His encouragement, His love. That is your role. Scripture says this, Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do must be done for the glory of God. It must all be done For the glory of God. That's the key word. The word is all. Not some things, not a few things, but all for the glory of God. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, He says that your call is to actually show His glory to the rest of the world. What God is like. Not just on Sunday, not just on the morning hours or the working hours, but in the evening hours as well. I will let His glory be known. If this all includes everything, then it includes the entertainment that you are a part of as well. Now, some people think that God does not like entertainment. I hate entertainment. And there's a sense that many people will be overwhelmed sometimes. And they think that God is like this old fuddy-duddy who sits on his hands up in heaven and he's just serious all the time always, always serious. Well, God is serious, but God has a sense of humor as well. For example, all you have to do is see what he created to be able to see his sense of humor. For example, uh, look at this first thing in the animal world that he created. What is it? It's an ostrich. Now, do you think God had fun making this? A bird that can't fly, that has legs longer than its body, and who sticks his head in the sand and then pokes at people constantly when you go to the zoo. What is an ostrich? God's entertainment for you and for me. Let's look at another one. Does anyone know what this particular animal is? What is it? A duck-billed platypus, right? A duck-billed platypus. That thing's just funny looking the way it is, right? You look at it, and you're like, what's that? That is God entertaining you. Now, do you want to know what the most entertaining and most fun animal there is in the world? Look at the person beside you right now. They're goofy, right? No, no, go ahead, look at them. Like, look. And maybe even more so is the person that you look in the mirror regularly. Like, that is funny, Folks, God wants us to enjoy entertainment in the time that we have, but he wants us to do it in ways that bring benefit to our lives. God wants us to know what's happening in the entertainment world. He doesn't want us to just sit around and not be engaged with it because people are d- disconnected from Christ to the church. The truth is, is that many of them, the way you connect with them most is through understanding entertainment. Now, be cautious that you're not so consumed by it either. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. You know, the key to what you entertain yourself is what happens to your heart. If you sit down and you're watching something with your eyes that is not good at all, you shut it off. You actually can turn this thing off. You can silence it. You don't have to be so involved with what they're doing. So let me give you a couple of practical things that you can do around this area of entertainment. But the first thing, when it comes to entertainment, watch together. Watch whatever it is in the evening that you're watching, watch it together. If it's a TV show, if it's uh, Netflix, if it's something you're on your phone, watch it together. Unfortunately, what has happened that with this device, what happens to the family unit, if people don't like whatever someone's watching, they just go off to their rooms. And everyone goes off to their rooms and they watch their own thing and no one watches it together. And so one of the things that I would encourage you, it's more fun to do that together. Now, it is a challenge sometimes to find something that everyone likes to watch. For example, what I would like to watch is probably some kind of sports. Tonight, the NBA championship will be on. That's probably what I'll want to watch. Now, the three women in my life, that is not what they want to watch. So we've kind of come up with a thing that if the game's close, at the end of the uh, game, we'll watch that together. And they actually enjoy doing that. And I've learned to enjoy, kind of, what they like to watch. For example, 13 going on 30. Like, they really think that's huge. Or uh, this one that they've got me addicted to lately, Gilmore Girls. Um, like they're all about that. I've watched all the seasons. I cry. I do the whole thing together. I just don't have a t-shirt yet. But soon maybe I will. But when you watch it together, folks, it's better. A second thing is this. Do something different entertainment wise. Invite people to your house. Actually have a cookout. Do some cornhole, hillbilly golf, uh, you know, some kind of thing that you can do together. Card night, board nights. I've got this idea. My wife Jennifer is not so excited about it, but I think it's going to be great. We have some friends of ours. They have four in their family too. I want to do a tennis tournament where everyone gets their name into a hat. You pick it out and you just have to play doubles with the other person. She's not so sure. But I think it's going to be great. And uh, so you can switch it up and do that. So take time in your relationships, uh, time for entertainment, and last, or the third thing here, time for rest. Time for rest. Studies have shown that Americans are some of the most sleep-deprived people in the world. In other words, you just don't get enough sleep. I mean, each night, God gives us the opportunity to have six, seven, eight more hours of sleep. And many of us just don't take advantage of that. And naps, like in some cultures, folk, they take a nap like almost every single day. And what I want to encourage you is take some more naps. Jesus liked naps. You should do. Now, don't take the nap right now. Okay, don't do that because we have a little bit more. And those of you that are on the street, we have a little more to do. But you can do that. Now, what does sleep provide? Well, first of all, it provides physical rest. Scripture says this. It is useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know, he enjoys giving rest to those he loves. God wants you to get your needed sleep, your needed rest. The second thing that... Sleep provides that rest provides is this. It allows you to set aside your worries. Again, six, seven, eight hours, hopefully moving towards eight. That's what uh, I'm trying to do, that we move towards that. That if we do, that we actually can give our worries to God during that time. Psalm 4 says this, I can lie down and sleep soundly because you, Lord, will keep me safe. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be anxious. When I lay my head on the pillow, I lay my worries at the feet of God. Now, what are some practical things you can do? When we get real, what is it that works for you to stop work and actually get some sleep? And if you want, you can take uh, notes on this. For those of you on the stream, take a picture. Um, But this is what you can do. Uh, first of all, if you want to get more sleep, why don't you set an alarm to go to bed? We set an alarm to get up. Let's set an alarm to actually get us to go to bed. The second thing that we can do is you can actually ask someone to hold you accountable to go to sleep. They just text you each day. Hey, what time did you go to bed last night? Uh, hey, remember today, do that. Ask somebody to do that. They'll help you with that. The other thing is, choose not to watch television or to get this device out to be the last thing that you look at. Studies show that this creates all kinds of anxiety and ramps you up rather than calming you down. And a fourth practical thing you could do is read your Bible. What could not be more beneficial for you? Uh, My wife does this uh, each evening, and she'll get her Bible out, and she reads it, and it calms her down, and it allows her to go to sleep like that. Now, if you're married, what you could do is just have sex. I mean, it does relax you, right? I mean, it calms you down. Some of you guys are like, oh man, I'm writing that one down. It's not on the screen, Um, but you could do that. Well, enough said, but go to bed earlier and then watch the evening hours actually become more beneficial for you. Last thing, uh, as we wrap up, and it's this, take time for yourself. You take time for yourself. In other words, you have to recharge. Now, Jesus was actually the master of what it looked like to recharge himself. In fact, Luke 5.16 says this, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, what do you think the key word in this verse is? What do you think? Often. You can always say Jesus, all right? But what was Jesus doing? Jesus often pulled away to lonely places and got rest. In other words, the the person who was the most unselfish person to ever walk planet Earth actually took time for himself. He took time for himself to allow himself to be rested, to be recharged, to be renewed with his Father, and you can do the same. So, You need to figure out what it is that recharges you. What is it in your life that you can do that recharges your soul? That helps you to relax, to de-stress, to be calm. It could be that you go on a walk. It could be that you play an instrument. It could be that you like to read. I don't know what it is that makes you chill and relax, but I can tell you, it is not this thing And as much as you would want it to think so, it is not alcohol. No matter how much alcohol you drink, it will not get you relaxed enough as something that you could actually do that would honor God in the evening hours. And if you take this and you just spend all your time scrolling on it, it does not help. Now, you might say, well, Chris, what do you do? Well, several times during the week, at least two, sometimes three, I do a walk run. I walk to get the RPMs down in my life, and I look at God's creation, and it takes me to another place. And once my RPMs are down, and because I'm old, I have to walk a half mile, stretch, walk another half mile before I ever get a chance to run, But once I do that, once I run, then all of a sudden what happens is serotonin fires in my head and I recharge my being and I'm not as stressed, I'm not as overwhelmed because I choose to do that. And when you do this, when you're recharging, you have a tendency to gain a couple of qualities. And if you don't do this, you lose these two things in your life. Psalm 94.19 says this, Lord, when doubts fill my mind, when my heart is in turmoil, quiet me, give me renewed hope and cheer. Anyone catch the two qualities that you need in your life? It's hope and what? And cheer. Without recharging, what happens is you lose your joy. Without doing these things, you lose the energy that you need to be able to do life. And so... There is huge value in recharging, and we see it in Jesus. Folks, God's purpose is to help you to recharge and renew your life. He sent Jesus to planet Earth to live a life that you would model so that you would take time for yourself regularly so that you could be recharged and renewed in your spirit. Paul, one of Jesus' closest friends, said this, When someone becomes a Christian, they become a brand new person. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Folks, Jesus came into this world not to beat us down, but to actually build us up into a relationship with him so that we walk through our days with a sense of joy and a sense of cheer. And the way you do that is by recharging your spirit. This life is the only thing that you're guaranteed. And so to get real in this area means that God wants you to start a new and fresh life with him each day, especially in the evening hours. So this is how we're going to close. Uh, Today is the end of our series, but almost the beginning of summer. And I want to challenge you to do something. For each one of you, you received a card that looked like this. And for those of you that are on the stream, uh, you can see this in your app, but I'd like you to pull this out. And it very easily just says that this summer, I need to work on one of these first. Morning hours, working hours, or evening hours. And all I want you to do is take some time to think about what is one of those areas I could work on this next week and to check it off. Now, some of you want to be overachievers and you're going to check all three. Don't do that because you know what will happen? You won't do any of them. And if you didn't get one of these when you walked in, when you leave today, just pick up a program and commit to doing this uh, the morning Working or evening hours for me. I was thinking about it this week and for me the evening hours are the hardest I get up in the morning. I spend time with God. I I take him with me into work I try to do work with him all day Then I get to the evening hours and I just want some me time and sometimes I ignore him Now my wife does great in the evening hours. She doesn't do as well in the morning hours But which one do you want to go after this summer? So I want to give you just a couple of moments right now to check one of those and uh, to decide what you're going to do first. Morning hours, working hours, or evening hours. So check that real quick. if you went ahead and did this, or you will sometime today, what I want you to do is right beside it, just write the word, give it, that I'm going to give that time to God this summer, Uh, in the morning hours, in the working hours, in the evening hours, which one, and you just say, God, I'm going to give it, I'm going to offer it to you. And then don't just throw this card away, but put it somewhere that you'll see it. For some of you, put it on the refrigerator. Because we're all going to go to the refrigerator at some point. So put it there and go, oh yeah, I'm going to work on that. Or you can put it in your car. Or put it on the mirror of your bathroom. But somewhere this summer, that you're going to go after being with God in one of these times of the day. And this is what I believe. That if you will do this... That you will have a fresh time with God this summer, whether you choose the morning hours, the working hours, or the evening hours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are with us every single minute of every single day. Help us, God, to remember that we can be with you every moment of the day. Not just on Sundays or on days where we're feeling the best, but in the morning, when we're at work, in the evening hours, we can spend time with you. Help us to give that day to you. Give us strength to follow through, God, on this card that we've decided or For those that are on the app, something that we've checked to say, this is the time this summer that I'm going to grow into a relationship with God. Now, for some of you today, maybe you're like, well, Chris, you're talking about spending part of the day. I haven't made my time with God. I haven't made a commitment, a relationship with Him. Well, you could do that today. You're like... Yeah, I can. Yeah, you can. It's really easy. You're like, it's easy? Yeah. It's simply you saying, God, I want you in my life, and I want you present in my life. And the voids that you have in your heart right now, and many of you are experiencing some void, though the thing that you're missing is this relationship with Christ. And Jesus loved you so much that he said, hey, I'll go to a cross and I'll die on it. I'll take on all your sins, all your mess ups, slump ups, screw ups, and you'll go free. And I'll take that all on. And on top of that, three days later, he rose again. So he gave you the promise to live with him forever. So if today is your day where you're like, I need Jesus in my life. I need him 24 hours a day. I need him with me all the time. And I know I won't do it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly. No one does. But you want a relationship with him. That you need his love, his grace, his forgiveness. A second chance with him. I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself. But it's one that we pray together. And I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. Just repeat after me if you feel comfortable doing so. Heavenly Father... I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. I want you in my life. I I ask you in my life. I give this time to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.